Well, here we are. I have the pleasure and the privilege of speaking this morning. And over the past few weeks, two weeks, we've been in a mini-series called Shift, looking at things that have shifted. A couple of weeks ago, I looked at what shifted in our society and how church has a response for that. Church has a place for that. And last week, Richard just did an astounding job with his talk about that uh, the game is won from the middle and about how we need to push forward. We're in that middle place. You know, we start with all that hope and that excitement and we get to the middle place and we're like, ah. And he unpacked Joshua 3. And uh, for all of those football references, it was obviously last Sunday morning, nothing is lost by the talk, so you can still watch it. It's still highly relevant. And you can catch up and watch that talk on our YouTube channel, but it was such an impactful and powerful talk. So thank you for that, Richard. Well, today we embark on a new summer series, summer talk series. Summer is here, the sun is out, everyone is smiley faces and looking forward to tomorrow. And I love this image, you know, of this uh, fairground ride. What are, they, what are these called again? Thank you, Ferris wheels. I love a Ferris wheel. You know, maybe, uh, maybe some of you feel like you're at the top and you can see everything and you think, yeah, I can see what my life's like. Maybe some of you are on the bottom and apprehensive, it's about to take you up. I just was really struck by looking at the image that the team picked for this. And it really just spoke to me in terms of where we may be in our journey and our walk. But you know, what I love about summer is weddings. In fact, you know, interestingly enough, in the Bible, summer is the time for weddings. You know, you have Ruth and Boaz, the Kingsman Redeemer, they got married in summer, in the wheat harvest, which is summertime. The Shumalite woman and her lover, as you can read in Songs of Solomon, they, got, they were together as lovers in summer. And uh, of course, where Jesus turned water into wine. And so I love summertime. I love getting an invitation to weddings. In fact, um, I'm rather excited that next week we have a wonderful wedding happening here with our very own Mel Kearns and Simon G. Yes, they're up in the balcony. So exciting. Not long now, guys. Not long now, guys. And I have, you know, Mel, as you know, works on, in the team, uh, just an amazing job in our pastoral team. And Simon does an amazing job volunteering in so many different areas, including our care centre. Just such a wonderful couple. And I have the privilege of marrying them, uh, not least because Mel is actually my sister-in-law. You may not know this, but my wife is Mel's sister. So uh, it's going to be such a wonderful thing. So I love getting invitations to a wedding. Who doesn't, hey? And uh, with uh, Freedom Day upon us as tomorrow, uh, I'm sure we're all looking forward to many invites, whether, hey, come over for a barbie or come over for a party. Um, this is the season for invitations. Now, did you know that actually this book <laughs> is an invitation? You know that? This actually is a wedding invitation, this book. You're invited to a wedding where you get to be the bride. Did you know that? Because we are the bride of Christ, that we are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. I am so excited about going to that wedding. Uh, amen. I've got men in the room. Thank you. We are invited to a wedding. And Jesus made it possible that we not only can get the invite, but that we can go to the wedding. And, you know, this book is just full of that theme of invitations. And what I want to just touch on briefly is a very um, uh, popular and um, a verse that many people will know in Isaiah 55, verse 1, and it's an invitation. Let me just quickly read it to you. 
It says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. That's an invitation. What an amazing invitation. Hands up if you'd like that kind of invite. Yeah. Hey, come over to my place. And I've got some honey, got some wine, got some booze. You know, all that. Let's say booze. Very colloquial of you, Mike. Mark. I've got some very nice claret and all that stuff. I prefer that. Thank you. Um, and you don't need it to bring any money. Like, we all want an invitation. And this Bible has that invitation here in the Old Testament. So the question is, how is it that we can say yes to that invitation without any money? I'm glad you asked the question. Because of Jesus. And see, what we're going to do in this talk, and I should have said at the start, our summer series talks are these one-off talks. We're going to have different preachers coming up and sharing what the Lord's placed on their heart. And um, this week, we're going to look at a very uh, tender story of Jesus giving an invitation to a woman at the well. And why don't we all turn to that story together? It's in John 4. It's quite a bit, uh, but I, I, I didn't want to cut it. I wanted to read it. You can listen if you wish. It'll be on the screen um, in the room and at home as well. Uh, but I'm going to read this together. Jesus had been ministering. He had learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was, that was uh, making and baptizing lots of people. And so he, um, he left Judea, departed for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. And um, he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And so Jacob's well was there, and we join the story where Jesus is wearied, it says in the text, and uh, from his journey, he was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. The sixth hour is about noon, so the height you can imagine the sun is out. Here is Jesus, wearied by a well. And this is where we join the story. And we're going to read from verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where, where do you get that living water are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or I have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no hus husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. 
The woman said to him, uh, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all these things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then the disciples came back. They they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I have ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. And let's jump to verse 39 as we end. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the saviour of the world. Let us pray. Oh, we thank you for your word. It's life to our soul as we read about you, Jesus. We can learn so much. I pray, Lord, that you would come by your spirit and teach us all things and heal us, I pray, and speak to our situation, speak to our circumstances, speak to those areas in our lives that need answers from you, I pray. And help me, Lord, as I preach your word, I ask in your precious name. Amen. Isn't that just a beautiful story? Isn't that just wonderful? I hope you agree it's worthwhile taking the time to read that story in its entirety. And, you know, I think it's just so refreshing of those times where we just take time just to read about Jesus, just to fix our eyes on him. And there are four things, four truths that I want us to look at and learn from this story this morning as we think about that invitation that Jesus gives us. And there are four things. The first thing that we can learn from this beautiful story is this. Jesus comes for everyone. Jesus comes for everyone. Why is this story so shocking? It may not be shocking in our time and culture that Jesus is speaking with a woman. But let me tell you, over 2,000 years ago, this was shocking. Why? Because she was a woman. She was a woman and no man would be caught speaking to a woman one-on-one. And there's really three things here that 
that would cause us to be shocked if we were reading this 2,000 years ago. The first is her gender. She is a woman. They didn't have the same rights as men in society. And a man, as I've just said, would never talk to a woman directly like that. And here Jesus is spending time with this woman. The second thing is her race. She was a Samaritan. As it says in the text, no Jew would speak to a Samaritan. We've heard, obviously, of the very famous parable of the Good Samaritan who saved that man while everyone else walked past. You see, the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get on. They had a history of, of, uh, uh, of issues as it went back to when Israel was split into the northern kingdom of Judah, which is where Samaria is and the, the southern kingdom. No, other way around, northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah, where Jerusalem is. And so where once it was just spit politically, now culturally they were just miles apart. But thirdly, her marital status. We can miss this in the story, but if you know about the traditions and the culture of the time, you'll know that what would happen is, is the women of the village would go together in the morning to get all the water. But this woman is going alone at midday to get her water. Interesting, eh? Why was she not included with the other women? You can imagine the other women all getting together. Let's go and get our water in the morning. Just leave her. And the other woman saying, I need to wait until they're gone. The shame of it. The shame of it. And she was probably so surprised that someone would be at a well midday. That is not the time that you get water. You get it in the morning before the sun comes up. And so there's three key reasons why Jesus should not be speaking to this woman. A, she's a woman. B, she's a Samaritan. And C, because of the shame of her marital status. And yet, <laughs> Jesus was there. And you know what's amazing about this story, guys? In the book of John, this encounter, this one-on-one -on -one encounter, is the longest encounter that you find in the gospel accounts. Isn't that amazing? Not with one of the high priests. Not with one of the important people. But with the quote, lowest of the low. This, is what, this wasn't an accident, right? Jesus didn't just bump into her. <laughs> you know, we know in the Scriptures that Jesus did what he saw the Father do. You know, the Father would instruct him. This was a divine appointment of the highest order. And what I love about this story is that Jesus was just so tender with her. Jesus so tender. And we see it throughout the Scriptures, don't we? Jesus welcoming the children when the disciples were trying to shoo them away. Get those children away from Jesus. He's, you know, he's tired, he's busy. And Jesus, whoa, come. Making time for the lowest of the low. What about the, um, the demon-possessed daughter of the Canaanite woman? What about the lady with the issue of blood? He stopped and said, who touched my cloak? And he blessed her. This is the type of Jesus that we worship. And what is most amazing about this is that it cuts across who we think we are and it speaks to who we are in God. You might be here this morning, you might be watching online and you have bought the narrative that you are an outcast in some way. 
Maybe I'm the black sheep of the family. Maybe you've taken that identity on board. Maybe you don't feel as intellectual or articulate as other people and so you think, well, I'm, I'm on the outside. Maybe financially you feel an outcome. Maybe, maybe, maybe the way you dress, the way you talk, the way you do this, that and the other. You put yourself in the same bucket as this woman and even maybe to the extent that you intentionally wait until people have gone from the morning time well experience and wait until midday. Maybe, maybe that's you. Got some good news. Jesus is waiting for you at the well. You're not an outcast. You're not lower than the low. You are created in God's image, and Jesus has an invitation for you. Have some water, some living water. On this point as well, I think it challenges how we see other people, does it not? Do we see people as Jesus sees them? Or do we fall into the trap of seeing people as society sees them? Listen, let's be honest. I'll be honest. I find it easier to put time aside for people that are like me and fit into my bucket of acceptability. And Jesus is saying, Mark, you've just missed it. You've missed it, Mark. And I have to sometimes be intentional, remind myself to say, I'm going to look at These people, how Jesus looks at them. And you know what? You might be in a situation where you don't even like someone because they're just a mess. Can I just say this? Look past their brokenness. That's what Jesus did. He looks past the mess. And I think this is a really helpful refresher as life gets back to some kind of normality, as things open up, as we start socialising with more people, as we start coming back into the building, as we start seeing each other again for where once it's been restricted, let us see each other as Jesus sees each other. So that's the first thing. Jesus comes for everyone. What else can we see in this beautiful story? Jesus comes to save, not to condemn. Isn't this story amazing? We know that Jesus, Jesus knows all things, knew that She was in sin. And yet he was kind of unfazed about it, wasn't he? Nonplussed about it. Why? Because he saw the woman behind the sin. He saw a woman created in God's image. He saw brokenness, as I mentioned earlier. You see, of course, sin, let me say, is a barrier to us and God. But the good news is Jesus came to pay the price of that sin. You know, can I just say as a, as a parenthesis, one thing I've, I've, I've seen in my own life and experiences others as I pastor, and this won't be a surprise to many of you, but if we're not careful, sin becomes our identity. Sin becomes who we are. Well, I'm so-and-so. I'm this, that, and so. But you see, our identity is not our sin. Yes, sin is an issue. But Jesus can deal with that. You see, don't let the lie of the enemy say to you, well, you are such a terrible person. Look at what you've done. Look at how on earth can you go and speak to those women at the well when you've done that? That's who you are now. Accept it. Live with it. Anybody heard that from the enemy? 
There's no going back. Anyone heard that phrase? There's no going back from that. That's it. You just, you've made your bed, so go lie in it. Anyone heard that phrase? All of these things are lies of the enemy because Jesus was unfazed. Why? Because he pays the price for sin. It's dealt with on the cross. When Jesus says, it is finished, he actually meant it. <laughs> Jesus means what he says and says what he means. That's what I love about Jesus. There's no second guessing God. And so Jesus came not to condemn the woman. He didn't say to her, can I, listen, before I ask for you some water, there's some things we need to deal with first. You are such a terrible person. Can I just tell you, I've counted how many husbands you've had and the guy you're with at the moment, he's not even your husband. How many of us have the tendency to want to go right for the jugular? I've got to tell them how that the sin and how bad they are. I've got to go there first. Maybe you've got to give them the invitation first. I'm not minimizing sin, but I'm maximizing the blood of Jesus that paid for it. Who is in your world that you have backed away from because you, knew, you know the sin they're in? Maybe, just maybe, you need to go and give them an invitation to a wedding where they're going to be the bride. Why? Because Jesus paid for that. And that's what I love about Jesus. Jesus says, I've come for the sick. Jesus will come again riding on the white horse. It is true. But in this season of grace, this dispensation of grace, this church age that we are in, it is a season where Jesus says, come. Let's not miss that invitation. And for some of us, some of us, you see, we see Jesus with a big stick. We see the Father with a big stick. And we can't go to Jesus lest he will tell us how bad we are. What if he's just waiting to tell you how great you are? What if what you're missing out on is Jesus saying how beautiful you are, how wonderful you are? how amazing you are, the things he's created for you to do. And you're missing out on that because of the lie that if you go to Jesus, he's gonna whack you over the head and say, right, well, because of all that, I'm gonna penalize you and put you in the corner over there. That is a lie. That is a lie. And what I love about this story is that Jesus came not to condemn the woman, but to save the woman. And that brings me to number three. What does Jesus come to bring? Living water and to satisfy our deepest thirst. You see, the whole conversation, as we read, centers on the need for water, doesn't it? I mean, there was a physical need that Jesus had. There was a physical need that the woman had. And yet Jesus so masterfully just turns it around and says, can I just tell you something? If you had only knew who had asked you for water, you would have asked him for living water. What is that living water? Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. You see, the reality is, is that while we, of course, in these bodies have a physical thirst, our soul thirsts for our creator. There is a God-sized hole in our heart that can only be filled 
by him. That is what it means to experience living water. You know what it says in the text? Living water that wells up into eternal life. What does that say to me? It says to me two things. Number one is we can experience that living water now. That spring of water which brings peace. That spring of water which brings freedom from the lies of the enemy. That spring of water that gives us courage and strength. That spring of water which gives us the sustenance we need when we feel as if life is too hot and I need to get out the sun. As it says in Psalm 1, a tree that is rooted by the streams bears fruit in its season in spite of the heat. That's the kind of springs that Jesus offers us. And you can try and get, quench that thirst for God on other things. And no doubt, probably this, the reason this lady had so many husbands is that she was looking for that thirst for love and intimacy. Can I tell you, Jesus offers that. And maybe you're watching me this morning, maybe you're in the room or online at home, and you've yet to quench your thirst on Jesus. And you're saying, you know what, Mark, you're speaking to me right now. It's as if you're speaking to me, Mark. It's as if you're just mapping out my whole life. That's me. I've got this thirst. I don't know what it is. I haven't been able to articulate it, but for somehow right now in this moment, I know that I need Jesus. I've got good news for you. Jesus has come for everyone. He's come for you specifically as well. And so how do we receive this living water? Did Jesus say to the woman, I've got this living water, but it's going to cost you five shekels or whatever, current denarius or whatever the currency of the day. No, come buy and eat without, no, without money. You see, the gospel is so beautiful. What is the gospel? It's the good news that we are saved because we don't have to pay anything. Jesus paid it all on the cross. Listen, I am not doing my job every week if I don't point you to Jesus. Jesus has done it all on the cross. And if it's you this morning and you want to say yes to Jesus, and how do you do that? You say simply, I believe, Jesus, that you came for me, that in you is life. And what is that life? It's the life now that we have with him, but it says it wells up into eternal life. You see, the wedding supper of the Lamb is when we get to that wedding supper as we spend eternity with him because we do have a choice. You can either go to that wedding or you can be miss out on the wedding and miss out on eternity with him. And that's the choice that Jesus has given each one of us. And if you're online, you can put your respond to the raise your hand thing or the team would love to pray with you. And at maybe the end of the service, I'm going to just pray that prayer with you. And I want to end now just on my last points. We've looked at that Jesus comes for everyone. That's you. <laughs> Jesus comes to save, not to condemn. Jesus comes to bring living water and to satisfy our deepest thirst that only he can satisfy. Weren't we singing that earlier, actually? That Jamie Riddle's, Jeremy Riddle song, come living waters, come Holy Spirit. That is our prayer and that we burn for you. And then lastly, Jesus comes so that we can go and tell others. Here's the thing about this story. This woman in shame, who hid away, no doubt, in the noonday sun, all of a sudden, what does she do? 
She drops her jar. She forgets that she's thirsty. And she runs into town. Says, hey, everybody, listen. I found someone that knows everything I've done. You've got to come. Where did this come from? Where did the shame go? You see, the shame goes when you're in the presence of Jesus. No shame, no condemnation. We see the fruit of that in an instant, that freedom. (laughs) Because our identity now has come from knowing him. And she goes and says, you've got to come. You've got to come. Let me tell you my story. And then what happens? They come and it says in the text that they believe because of what they they themselves then experienced of Jesus. And you know, this is a model for evangelism, isn't it? We can get... Make it overcomplicated. It doesn't need to be. It needs to simply be this. Go tell your story to somebody. That's my kind of go-to position. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. He's given me life in abundance. I was once this, and now I am so. Let me ask you a challenging question. Who is in your world that needs to hear your story? Who's in your world that needs to hear your story? And you know what? The burden isn't to convince them. The burden is to say, hey, come and see Jesus. And you know, as we start opening our doors again, now is the perfect opportunity to invite people to church. We've been in a season, a long time now, where people are searching for answers. In fact, many have articulated it as such as being God. You know, when COVID hit, the search engine results The search queries for prayer were shot through the roof. No doubt many of you have had experiences of conversation with people around God. Now's the time to say, why don't you come and meet Jesus? Why don't you come to my church? Come and hear about Jesus. And you know what? Let Jesus do his thing. The Holy Spirit will come and bring revelation. You know, we have our part to play in extending God's kingdom. We are here for but a short time. Jesus is going to come again. And in this moment, we are here to fulfill the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? To make Christ known. We can do so because of what we've experienced in Jesus. I'd like to invite the band up. And I just want us all to stand as I just um, wait on the Lord. I'm just going to pray. There's obviously a lot there. I know that... For some of you, some of that would have just really hit home in your heart. For some of you, maybe it's just confirmed the wonderful Jesus that you worship. And it's just, it's as if a warmth has just spread across your heart. For others, maybe it's challenged you to tell your story to somebody in your world. And for others, maybe this has been the first time where you feel as if that invitation is for you that Jesus sees you, doesn't see your sin because he's dealt with that. You just need to give it to him. But he sees who you are. I'm going to pray now. Thank you, Lord, that we are all invited to the wedding. That we are invited to relationship with you, Heavenly Father, through the Son, Jesus. 
And that invitation is for everyone. Christianity is not a religion of good works that saves us. It's a relationship of a Father that's already made a way for us. Oh God, for those of us who have said yes to you, this should be a point of celebration, a point of thankfulness, a point of saying thank you, Jesus, and a point of saying I need you more. For many of us have just tasted something small and Jesus invites us, whether you've been walking with Jesus for a year, 10 years, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 or more, there is always more with Jesus. Don't let your experience and your maturity rob you from pressing in for more. Don't allow the lie that I've seen it and done it all to rob you from a new experience with Jesus. Come Holy Spirit, come now Lord Jesus, come Lord. Let's just wait on the Lord for a moment. I'm inviting the Holy Spirit just to come and minister. Come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit makes the love of the Father real to us and the life of Jesus real. Come Lord Jesus, come Holy Spirit.